Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, April 26th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today's topic, the Kansas City Royals. They're coming off a rough weekend in Seattle where they got swept. What went wrong and how can it be fixed? Beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell are here to talk about that. You'll also hear a clip from right fielder Whit Merrifield, who spoke after Sunday's loss. I thought Merrifield did an excellent job explaining his season, which is off to a slow start. We also weigh in on the Royals' City Connect uniforms. They're going to wear them Saturday at Kauffman Stadium. The new look was designed to pay homage to the city and, of course, to sell merch, but I think you'll like them. We did. Okay, let's get rolling, talking Royals. This show originated as a Sportsbeat Live broadcast. Kansas City, welcome to Sportsbeat Live, our weekly conversation about the Kansas City Royals with the folks who cover them and know them best. I want to uh, shout out to our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System. And we've got Lynn Worthy and Sam McDowell here today. We've got a lot to talk about. And one thing we're going to talk about today at some point are the Royals' new City Connect uniform. So I want to put the call out today. Send us your questions and comments, as always. But let us know also, what do you think of the new unis that the Royals are going to wear? I believe it's just Saturday uh, in their home game against the New York Yankees. Um, yeah, let us know what you think about those. Um, so, Lynn, uh, the, the Royals go winless in Seattle to extend their losing streak to uh, to four games heading into tonight's uh, series opener against the Chicago White Sox in Chicago. And um, a lot of things went wrong for the Royals up in the Pacific Northwest. What were um, what were some of the big concerns that, that came out of that series? Well, I think the, the part that was really just the you know, kick in the gut was the fact that um, they had come back to take leads in those games and then cough them up late. So um, the game that ended up, the final score ended up being 13 to seven. They came back from a four run deficit to take a seven to six lead and then end up losing, giving up um, was it eight runs late to, to lose, or I think it was seven runs late to, to lose, um, you know, 13, uh, seven. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the last game um, they actually had, you know, a one-run lead in extra innings. Again, they came back to four extra innings. They were losing three to two. Hunter Dozier hits a ninth-inning home run. They're down to the final two outs. Sending in the extras. Start off the tenth inning by scoring the run with the you know the um, ghost runner, and you've got a lead. And all of a sudden, it looks like momentum swing, and then Seattle matches, and then in extras, they both sort of they both had their chances. It was one of the things Mike Matheny pointed out afterwards was you know. Um, yeah, they gave up chances, but they had scoring chances earlier in the game and late in the game, including, um, I think it was the 12th, where they had bases loaded and couldn't get a run in. Um, Seattle was right there with them as far as, you know, I think it was in the 11th inning, they had bases loaded when Dylan Coleman looked like he was spraying the ball over the place, and um, they still ended up getting out of that one. So um, the fact that you had leads late, you rallied to get leads late with an offense that's been struggling and then gave up those games, I think, is the part that really stings. Yeah, and you can't. You know, the bullpen had a had a bad game Saturday. Um, you certainly can't blame the bullpen for you know for Sunday's loss. You when you don't score in extra innings uh, twice, you're you're gonna you're gonna pay for that. So, um, but 
Let's go back to Saturday's game. The well, I'll tell you what. Let's take there's kind of one thing from each game I wanted to discuss. The first game, the Friday game, where they lose. I think it was four to one. That was the game where the only run came from the Salvador Perez home run. But the Royals, I believe it was their first error of the season. They've been playing really nice defense, and then it was pretty costly. That was the the ball that came back to uh, to Brad Keller pitching a good game, had a double play set up, and uh, and he, he basically muffs the, the easy grounder. They don't get they don't get any out, much less a double play to get out of an inning. And uh, and the Mariners took full advantage of that on Saturday. The, the, the Jake Brent's performance when he walked four straight that 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 was pretty troubling, and we hadn't seen that really, have we? From from Jake, anything like that from Jake Brent's? No, no, he's he's been one of their guys. I mean, depending on how you want to look at it, there was probably in spring training, we probably locked in four guys that being, um, you know, Scott Barlow, Jake Brent's, uh, Josh Stalmont, and then Amir Garrett after they made that trade. And those in the first three, Stalmont, Barlow, and uh, and Brent's were all guys who had been their mainstays last year. And so, um, and Brent's now he's still early on. I mean, you know, last year was his first year. Um, so he's still early on in his career, but we hadn't seen any signs of this. Um, and so he, you know, just couldn't find a strike zone. Um, and, you know, he came in with a clean inning, so they didn't have anybody up right behind him. And then also they, they kept thinking that, like, that he could get through, if he could get through, you know, just sort of find to get through that, you know, that one batter. He had lefties lined up, which is the other thing they had. Because at one point, I think he he walked, trying to go from memory here, but so I was a little suspect. Um, but I think it was Winker, and if he could get Winker, then he had uh, Kalnick and then top of the order, Frazier, three lefties in a row, which is what they were trying to say, okay, if you could just get on track and get that first one, and then, with you know, obviously the bases were loaded, but got a chance to maybe get out of that and hold it where it was. But that just never happened. Yeah, Blair, I mean, sort of the takeaway for me from the whole weekend where they had opportunity. You know, I, it's a long season. We've, we've been saying that for three weeks now at, at the start of the season. But I still feel like they had two opportunities on Saturday and Sunday to come up with wins that could have turned the tide on the way this, this first month of the season's going. They're not necessarily awful losses on Saturday and, and Sunday, but it's the missed opportunity for really good wins. You know, you, you get a home run in the ninth inning on Sunday. It's an opportunity to get a win you didn't think you had all day. Same with Saturday. You, you get down Saturday, you come back and, and take the lead, and you put the game in the hands of what we have thought has been the strength of this team so far earlier in the season, and then all of a sudden that part of the, you know your bullpen collapses. So I, I just viewed Saturday and Sunday as, as a really missed opportunity to maybe kickstart kick something in the opposite direction of the way it's been going. And one common thread to, to, the, to the losing streak is uh, – Hitting with runners in scoring position, uh, the Royals were one for fourteen on Sunday, and I think it was four for thirty-one in the series. Um, just awful stuff. And Whit Merrifield struck out four times on Sunday, including. I don't know how many guys he left on base, but it was a, it was a it was a bunch, right? And uh, Lynn, you had an opportunity to speak with Whit Merrifield after the game on Sunday. I thought this was a. Uh, you know, such a good conversation and a, and a good insight into into Whit Merrifield and, and where he is right now and what he's thinking. That uh, when 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 our producer Monty Davis and I uh, were putting together the show, I 
I, I thought, let's let's just run the whole thing. I mean, there's three minutes and 37 seconds of Whit Merrifield discussing his, you know, the, the troubles of not only that day, but of the um, uh, of the season for for him so far. You know, he's hitting under 150. So let's let's hear from Whit Merrifield right now. Like I said, settle in. It's about three and a half minutes. Uh, but I thought it was it was really interesting and good insight from from Merrifield. Yeah, yeah, that was a bummer. Um, after Doge's homer, it would have been great to win that one. Uh, but didn't do it off to win, and that's what it is. You feel like it's just breaks that aren't happening for you guys, or is there you know guys pressing right now just because things are start uh, you know, or I guess some of the struggles are starting to pile up a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's probably a combination of both. You know, guys, guys want to win, and you know we haven't been winning as much as we wanted to. And obviously, we haven't scored um, many runs, and so uh, we're pretty cognizant of that as an offense, trying to do better. And um, but there's some bad luck mixed in as well. So uh, just gotta keep working, keep learning, keep uh, adjusting, and. Try to get better every day. That's all you can do. Well, I mean, baseball is it's a hard game. And if we can keep putting ourselves in positions to win games, uh, I think we'll be, we'll be in good shape. Today just wasn't meant to be for us, but we put ourselves in a position to win. And excuse me, like I said, if we keep doing that, we'll, uh, I think we'll be pretty happy with where we're at at the end of the year. I think today is just, today was, it's easy to look at today because I struck out four times and look at my numbers and go, well, He's really struggling. And really, just look at this series in general. I, ha I had nine good at-bats out of, I don't know how many at-bats I had, but I had four the first day, three the second day, and two today. Um, and even going back to the Cleveland series, you know, I can think of three diving plays, three line outs, two balls off the pitcher, I went right to the shortstop, uh, and then go. You know, I, I can I can do this for the whole year. So it's easy to look at today. And go, oh, he's struggling. But really, I feel I've, I keep reiterating to the coaching staff. I feel really good. It's just hasn't come yet. But fortunately, got a little bit of a track record at this point, and uh, um, I got all the confidence in the world of myself. It's just a matter of um, doing more to help us win. That's what's that's what's really frustrating to me. It's not doing much offensively to help us win right now. And I know I could do more. And when you're not getting results and you feel good, it's a little frustrating. So it's a long season though, we'll stick with it and we'll be just fine. So don't don't you worry, man. <laughs> it's hard to get away from, uh, you know, lining out, okay, guys. It's, for me, it's a matter of, of am I swinging at good pitches? Am I, am I on time for the fastball? Um, yeah, outside of today, I haven't I haven't been swinging at bad pitches. I've been in the zone. Um, also today, six at bats, six at bats. I went strike. They went strike one on me. So it's it's one of those stretches where it feels like I'll never get in that two zero three one count. Um, I'm always working from behind, and uh, today was just one of those days. But uh, as far as adjustments go, I mean, again, I value I evaluate it as how do I feel. I feel good. All right, am I swinging good pitches? Yes, I'm swinging good pitches. All right, am I on time? Yes, I'm on time. So it's just a matter of sticking with it. 
you can get in trouble when you when you look at it too much and get too caught up in results. So um, I'll be just fine. I promise. Don't you worry, Lynn. Was the message I got <laughs> of that? And I, I love that. I really did. I mean, for a player to have the game that he did, four Ks, um, and to stand in his locker and, and discuss what's you know what's uh, what the issues are. Um, total respect for Whit Merrifield for doing that. And he's the well, first of all, Lynn, he he's that kind of guy anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the guy who you know if. Things are going bad and nobody really wants to talk. I mean, he's going to he's going to stand there and answer your questions, you know. Um, so that's that was never really a doubt in my mind. But um, I wasn't sure, you know, how candid he would be about, you know, just how the slow start he was off to. And he dove right in and you know brought up the fact that he struck out four times that day. I mean, it wasn't obviously a secret, <laughs> but wasn't sure he was going to, you know, um, dive right into it. But he did. Um, and um, it was interesting to me just the, you know, it. In some ways, it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, last year when we started talking to Dozier about some of the struggles he was having. He started talking about how he wasn't looking at stats. He was talking about quality at bats, contact, things like that. Um, and Witt wasn't exactly in that same sort of um, tone, but it was similar in that he was, you know, he's not evaluating just on was it was the hit or an out. He's talking about, you know, the type of contact he made. Um, guys make a diving play, does that mean he had a bad at bat? He lines out and it's right at somebody, does that mean he had a bad, a bad at bat? Plus, if there's a conf- and there's, there's a more confident guy in that clubhouse than Witt, I'm not really sure who it is. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's not going to be rattled by a slow start. What do you think, Sam? You've been talking to pro athletes for a while. Um, and that was that was pretty honest. Yeah, and, you know, um, when you look at his advanced metrics, there's some truth to what he's talking about. You know, I think his expected batting average based on, you know, how hard he hits the ball is 246. So, one, that's still not where where Merrifield needs to be. He needs to be better than 246. But, two, he's not even at 246. So, he's right that he's hit into some bad luck. Um, But he's not driving the ball with the same regularity that, you know, I mean, the last three full seasons of Whit Merrifield, he's hit at least 40 doubles all three seasons. You know, I'm not counting the COVID season. This year he has two. He doesn't have a triple. He doesn't have a home run. So he's hit those I, I see as less bad luck. You know, when you're driving the ball into gaps, when you're hitting the ball out of the ballpark, you can't blame bad luck. Um, so I, I think it's a mixture of something he's going through. But also the piece that he mentioned is, is absolutely correct. You know, I mean, his hard hit percentage – the sweet spots percentage, all those things that are the advanced metrics that I know a lot of people don't like to hear when a guy's struggling. But that's why when he says he's still confident, there's there's some reason to still be confident, to feel like he's still taking some good at-bats. Um, having said all that, I, I put a bow on, on the comment by saying his at-bat on Sunday with the bases loaded in extra innings was horrific. And, you know, you could point to that as the key at-bat and the reason they lost that game. Yeah, um, uh, I, I thought it was interesting. One of the uh, interesting comments that I heard him make was, you know, in, in the uh, Mariner series, he had uh, nine what he considered to be nine good at bats. Yeah. Um, you know, and what was he? Did he? How many? I don't know how many hits he ended up in the series, um, but you know, one or two. I, I just don't I think remember. it might have been two. Just going off the top of my head, because I think there was um, he had a hit. I can't remember which day it was, but there was a day that he had a hit that I remember um, tweeting right. it out that he had been one for 
you know, uh, I can't remember what the number was, but it was it was a one for a lot going into that that one hit. Yeah, he's, he was two for fifteen in that series. He actually had a hit on on Sunday, the the, the day they signed him out with four strikeouts. But yeah, when you look at it, I mean, he's what three for about twenty. Three for about 33. Um, so when you look at his last eight games. And they've moved him out of the top of the batting order, um, which the first for, uh, I, I guess there was one time in 2020 when he, when Alex Gordon batted first, um, you know, led off, and that was his last game as a Royal. So a bit of a ceremonial thing there. But before that, 2019 was the last time that he didn't lead off. It was, they got Nicky Lopez up in the one hole and, uh, that make it makes sense, right? But Nicky Lopez, you know, had the bad guy. Now that some of the losses are running together, but the pop up bunt, um, the, the that was the that was the last home game, I believe, wasn't it? Against the against the Twins when they lost the one nothing game. So um, we're we're gonna continue to see that, don't you think? Though uh, Nicky Lopez in the one, I think so, just because you know of how well he's been hitting and how often he's been on base and the the idea is, you know, to have somebody with that, you know, who's going to get on base regularly at the table and also be on base in front of potentially, you know, Sal Perez and um, Ben Intendi, whether he's three or four. is another guy who's been getting on base but also been coming through with hits. So get somebody on base in front of those guys. And typically, I mean, um, in past years, Witt's actually been pretty good when coming to the plate with guys in scoring position and being able to give you productive outs or, you know, just productive at bats when you got to get somebody in. But – Obviously, this year is a different story. You know, something else that he said um, that was interesting was that he feels like he's swinging at good pitches. And you look at just the, you know, traditional numbers, he's only walked twice all year. Um, so you, you think, well, the guy's probably not swinging at a lot of good pitches. But he's seen uh, a considerable more amount of strikes this year than he ever has in his career. You know, pitchers are – I mean, he mentioned – also to lend that first pitch strikes every time on Sunday. He's seen a lot of that. You know, he's seen 55% strikes this year. Traditionally, he's around 48. I mean, that, that's, I know that doesn't seem like a lot. That is a lot. That's a big jump. Um, so pitchers are throwing him more strikes than they have in the past. He's not uh, making contact as frequently as he has in the past. So, you know, that, that's one thing about it, but, um, you know, it, it's just interesting when he mentions pitch selection and you look at the two walks and you say, well, probably not, but he's just seen a, a heavy dose of strikes right now, pitches in the strike zone. Yeah, and he's not a high walk guy typically for, compared to most guys out of that leadoff spot. Like he's he's up there swinging, um, so he's not doesn't pile up a whole lot of walks like a Benintendi or one of those types of guys. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening.
Let me uh, reintroduce you guys. We're talking Royals baseball on Sportsbeat Live with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell. Okay, just a couple little bookkeeping items, Lynn. What uh, uh, Salvador Perez's hand um, looks looks like he's going to be okay, does it not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he DH'd in Sunday's game and then actually caught at the very end of the game um, when they lost the DH when they pinch hit for um, Ken Gallagher. So, um, I mean, I think he had it wrapped after the game, but, um, I mean, he played. Uh, and we've seen Sal take, you know, foul balls and, and have instances where you're not sure he's going to be in the lineup and he's right back out there. I mean, he played in 161 games last year. Um, so he's, you know, I would, I, unless something else has come up, I expect him to be back out there. And, uh, next, before we talk again, or before, uh, we have our next, uh, sports be live, the Royals will be, uh, minus two because the, the roster goes from 28 to 26 here, uh, later this week. Any guesses on, on who the two will be with? Um, I'm not sure, particularly since, you know, um, during the last homestand, they sent down Cal Isbell in favor of a pitcher. Um, so that um, you would have thought, well, they've got an extra bench guy, got an extra pitcher. Now it's they've got a little more on the pitching side. Um, I don't know if they subtract two pitchers, um, though, probably I'd probably lean that way right now just because as far as the bench, you got to have a second catcher. You got to have right now you still have Oliveras and. O'Hearn, and as far as bench guys, I mean, you, you're not, you don't have a whole lot after that. Um, as far as guys that, you know, I mean, you're gonna have a DH every game, so, um, so it's probably on the pitching side. I'm not sure right now they're carrying Bolaños as an extra guy. Um, the bullpen's been really good. We haven't seen a whole lot of Brady Singer. Um, we saw him again the other day, and then he came out. Uh, he took a ball off the wrist, but apparently is all right. Um, I don't know if they go that route, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if they did. But I, I before they made that move with Isbell, I would have thought, well, maybe they take one of those guys who's not playing much and then one of the pitchers. I'm not sure if they go two pitchers, but I wouldn't be shocked either way. I mean, I think Brady Singer's got a pitch one way or the other. Uh, I mean, I, I realize that, you know, he's not new to the major leagues um, in, in comparison to some of his peers that were taken in that same draft, but You've got if he's going to be in the bullpen, he's got to pitch in the bullpen. If he, if he's not going to pitch, he needs to be pitching in Omaha. So I, I think that's the that's the question the Royals need to be asking themselves if they need to shrink their roster. Is what's the plan with Brady? So okay. if I hear this correct, what you're telling me is that their pitcher needs to pitch. The pitcher needs to pitch. <laughs> Well, I mean, Lynn, what do you, what do you think about? It? I mean, it's the development of the third pitch, right? That's always been the, the key for him as a starter. But you can get away with two pitches in the bullpen. And so it surprised me that if they've had him in the bullpen and the knock on him is he hasn't developed the changeup, or I guess I should say he hasn't developed the confidence to throw the changeup, then he's okay in the bullpen, but they haven't tested him out there enough. And so I just thought if, if, if the idea is to put him in the bullpen, Use him in the bullpen. See what you have out of him as a reliever. Well, I think part of it, um, and I agree with, with uh, sort of that sentiment there, is I mean, because you can get away with two pitchers as a relief pitcher. Now, they've also, there's been a little bit of mixed uh, messaging in a way because they keep saying that they still view him as a starter, you know, at some point. 
Um, in which case we say, okay, well then he probably needs to go and develop and, and, you know, keep working on that third pitch and be able to have that full repertoire. Um, at the same time, a circumstance came in where he pitched in that one game, pitched three innings, I think. So he was going to be down for multiple days. And so they already knew that him and Cora both were going to be down in multiple, for multiple days. When Piams came back, one of them was going to go down. They decided to send Coar down. And then he would have probably almost assuredly pitched out of the bullpen that Sunday game that got rained out because I think after the fact, we'd been told that multiple of their guys were going to be unavailable. So I think like they might have been without maybe Stalmont and Barlow or Stalmont and Brent, like two or three, if not three of their main guys are probably going to be down. So he probably would have pitched that day, but there was no game that day. So then by the time you come back, you know, you got everybody ready to go. Um, so that's where circumstance comes in. But there's also that weird thing where, they say he's a bullpen guy, but they also want to keep him stretched out that in theory he could still give you multiple innings and starts. And that balancing act, I think, is still a work in progress as far as how exactly that works. How do you stay stretched out? How do you still be able to you know, give short outings, but then also be on a regular schedule where you can give multiple innings if needed? Um, I talked to him the other day a little bit pregame. He said, yeah, he felt like he could give multiple innings if he needed to. Um, but it's still been, you know, a work in progress trying to figure out how to stay sharp, be ready to go at any moment and then give multiple innings. So I think that's why I wouldn't be surprised if they decided Rossi gets shrunk, he goes back down. You can get him on a set schedule and, and sort of have a set plan as opposed to where it's sort of uh, up and down thing right now. Makes sense. Uh, Larry, glad you could join us. Steve, um, hope the, the buffering and lagging issue has been corrected. Um, okay. Uh, let's let's uh, let's make a fashion statement. The Royals are, are doing that. I believe it's just Saturday's game. Is that your understanding, Lynn? Just the, the the City Connect uniforms are just for the Saturday game against the, the Yankees. I think so. I think so. I'll, I'll double I'll double check. Pete Gradhoff wrote about it, and we'll certainly um, have his link attached to the story that we have about the uh, about this, but. Uh, uh, let's um, let, let's put it. Let, let's show everybody. If you haven't seen them, this is what the City Connect uniforms are going to look like uh, that the Royals will wear at Kauffman Stadium on Saturday. Uh, so, what do we have here? The the uh, the, the KC, of course, is a, is an homage to the Fountain City of Fountains, uh, and uh, the, it, it sort of uh, runs down. The arms are folded, so you can't see that the the K is kind of running down the, the uniform looking like a fountain. There are other little, um, here we go. Thank you very much, uh, Monty. So uh, the, you can see the crown in the sea that's, uh, that, uh, that separates the sea. And, um, and of course, the cap is the is also different. Color scheme, same, you know, the, the powder blue sleeves and the, and, and the dark blue uh, uh, jersey top. Royals have worn dark blue before. But um, anyway, I just... I just want to get your guys' opinion on on these. I'm not a big uniform person. I, I know I know people who are, and they they're just um, they, they've given it a sort of a general thumbs up uh, on on this. Uh, and and those of those of you watching us, let us know what you think, like dislike. Um, I'd be curious to know. I, I think it's always fun when when baseball changes it up a little bit, and and um, and and. Not every major league team has done this, has gone to the City Connect. I guess they're all going to do it at some point over the next couple of years. But the Roy- this is the second year of this, and the Royals are one of the teams doing it. So, Sam, we'll start with you. Um, what do you think of those unis? 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in your camp, Blair. I've never like made a huge deal out of uniforms, but I do think these are pretty sharp. Um, I like, I like just that it, you know, if you're from Kansas City, you see all the visuals. I mean, they they, they represent the, the city. The, the fountains getting involved in the logo, I think, is really cool. I I like the uh, the logo on the chest more than the logo on the hat. I, I wish they had included the the crown and the uh, the logo on the hat as well, because I think that's a really cool tidbit. Um, but yeah, I think the color scheme's cool. I think the logo's cool. I, I think they're pretty sharp uniforms. What say you, Lynn? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I've been, I think as far as uniforms go, I, I guess I've been more into the uniform thing on the football side because then you got the helm, different helmets, and, the, and you know, so you got sort of different layers uh, that you can sort of mix and match on that. Um, but as far as, you know, the City Connect ones, I think for a, you know, one off, um, I really like it. If it was the everyday uniform, I don't know. I think that that different shade of blue, that darker blue, I'm not sure. Um, I think it gets a little too far away from sort of the traditional Royals look. Um, but I do like the Fountains um, Incorporation. Um, I think for, and from what I've seen on Twitter, and Twitter is always a, a, a accurate indicator of what the people think. Um, I think there's been some sentiment that they would like to see some more of the powder blue. Um just, you know, and obviously, like you see it in, in there, it's, you know, I think it was the belt and the undershirts, but in the actual uniform, I think people, uh, there's a lot of people who are very big fans of that powder blue look. But like I say, for a one-off, I think it's it's cool. Um, it's just a little a little far away from the everyday thing, but I think that's cool for a one-off uh, as opposed to like an alternate uniform. You guys remember seeing the, um, uh, when, when Seattle did a, not a turn back the clock, but turn ahead the clock game back in yeah. 25 years ago. Lynn, you, you probably have, you haven't seen these, but Sam, do you remember what the Royals wore that day? Yeah. Yellow. Yeah. <laughs> a yellow top with the, with the Royals uh, crown logo on the, uh, on, on the chest. So it was bizarre, bizarre. And I think it was just a one game thing. <laughs> and uh, I think A-Rod hit a three run homer in that game for the Mariners <laughs> and the Royals ended up losing up there. So, um, yeah, good for the word. Hey, the design was nice, and I, I do like the, the the spirit of the the City Connect, right? Trying to I, I incorporate um, you know logos uh, and pay tribute to, to to your city, and so they'll sell a lot of merchandise. That's that's for sure. Nike sponsored. You saw the swoosh on the jerseys. Uh, uh, they'll get a lot of a lot of gear will get sold uh, this weekend with uh, with the new uni. So okay, uh, Carrie. Um, Carry weighs in. City Connect unis are nice, even though they aren't powder blue. So yeah, we, we've heard that. Um, wish these guys were playing well enough. <laughs> we're talking about the uniform. That's why we saved it for last, uh, so we could uh, uh, get in the the issues that the Royals are having. Okay, uh, three game series with the White Sox begins tonight. Uh, uh, is it Daniel Lynch going against Dallas Keuchel? I think is that. That is correct. And it should also be noted that the White Sox, this is one of those somebody's something's got to give. White Sox have lost like seven in a row coming into tonight. So. so they'll be mad and hungry and take it out of the Royals. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Uh, Lynn Worthy, Sam McDowell, uh, Monty Davis, our producer. Thank you very much, you guys. Thanks for, to the University of Kansas Health System uh, for being our presenting sponsor. And we will talk to you again next Tuesday morning. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Monty Davis for producing the podcast and today's Sports Beat Live and to the Sports Beat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy and Sam McDowell for sharing their information and insights. 
Hey, Morning Sports Edition was 33 pages today. There was good stuff on Kansas State and Missouri basketball transfer portal news, the NBA playoffs, the NFL draft, and so much more. Go to the subscription tab on kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.